Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, I weed through a lot of claims and information about child abuse and child sex trafficking in the U.S. and Hollywood. I finally got around to looking into a very, very important story that I've been thinking about for a long time. Because after I interview different people, whether they are attorneys who work on interesting, provocative topics or law enforcement people, I've been asking in the past couple of years, what are some of the biggest stories they think are not getting the right amount of coverage in terms of how important they are. And one after another has been telling me child sex trafficking in the U.S. Sometimes it's as it relates to the illegal trafficking across our southern border, which heavily involves child trafficking, but also just in general, the problem of child abuse and child sex trafficking here in the United States. Working on a story in Southern California about two years ago, I was speaking to an expert on this topic who said gangs recruit children in school, particularly some of these gangs that come across our southern border and get into our middle schools and high schools. They understand how to groom and recruit young girls, and the girls end up in a sex trafficking ring, and they're used as currency by these gangs across the country. There are also problems, as you hear in just a moment, with People that are not connected to gangs trafficking in children, sometimes their own relatives, sometimes their own parents. And it's apparently way more common than any of us like to think about. But another reason I wanted to look into this topic is that if you've noticed in media coverage, it almost seems like there's a schizophrenic approach to covering this issue. What do I mean by that? Well, on the one hand, really, when you look at the statistics and the experts even if there's some variability, nobody denies that this is a huge problem. But on the other hand, you'll see a bunch of stories pop up if you search around online that seem to be trying to make it seem like theories or questions about child sex trafficking is some kind of weird conspiracy theory. So on the one hand, we know the problem exists, but when it comes to specifics, when people start talking about it, there are some in the media that try to portray all of this as some kind of fringe, tinfoil hat, unrealistic conspiracy theory. So anyway, I've been looking into it, talking to a lot of experts, trying to get the numbers as best as they're available to see what's going on. And that's how I ended up with this week's cover story on Full Measure. That will be on Sunday, May 16th. And we're going to talk about that today. But one of the other things I thought I would mention is when people say trafficking either human trafficking or sex trafficking or child sex trafficking, I think a lot of us sort of just don't know exactly what that means if we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, and it kind of just goes past us, kind of goes over our head. So I try to really put a lot of thought into what it means, defining it, and figuring out how common it may be, 
and why even though, yes, there is a recognition that it's a huge issue, it's still not getting the level of news coverage that one would think it deserves in light of how big the problem is and how many children are involved and how horrifying some of these stories are. In fact, uh, one of the lawyers that I spoke to that I said talked about this being a big issue that was underreported, I was interviewing him on a different issue entirely when this came up at the end of the interview when I was sort of making small talk. And he said that as much as there is a reporting requirement among hotels for certain sorts of illegal suspected behavior, he said there is generally, if I understood him correctly, no such alert nationally among hotels and motels to watch out for and notify the authorities when you see or suspect someone is there trafficking in children. One of the first things I learned when researching this story most recently was that online sex trafficking has reportedly doubled since the start of the pandemic lockdowns, according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Why is that? Well, NBC actually did a story that looked at that topic specifically and said that, here's one quote, distributors of child sexual abuse images, first of all, are trading links to material in plain sight on platforms including YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using coded language to evade the company's detection tools. NBC is quoting child safety experts and law enforcement. And then NBC says at the same time, reports of child sexual exploitation activity to cyber tip hotlines are up by an average of 30% globally. And then reports to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children that receive cyber tips here in the U.S. Those reports have more than doubled from 983,734 in March of 2019, that's 983,734, to more than 2 million reports. That's actually well more than double. Part of that has to do with people being shut inside. They're spending a lot of time online. Children are at home and in situations they might not otherwise be in. Maybe they would be missed if they didn't show up at school, but now they're not expected to be in school in some places. They've been locked down. Nobody's tracking them as carefully. Nobody may notice if they don't show up or something strange is going on at home. But I actually started my story that you'll be seeing on Full Measure by remembering a controversy that goes back some months. Around September of 2020, when we started hearing a lot about it, the international controversy over that Netflix film called Cuties. Do you remember that? It was a foreign film with a French director that was said to be about an 11-year-old girl who becomes a member of a dance group with other young girls, and they do these provocative numbers. And the whole thing was sort of supposed to tell the story, as I understand it, of an immigrant child kind of trying to break out or handle or deal with her upbringing in a relatively modest neighborhood in Paris. But to critics, this was actually exploiting the actors, the young girls who were involved in the film. It was also appealing to the prurient interests of perhaps pedophiles and perverted people. Some members of Congress spoke out. I'm going to read to you a little bit from a September 2020 letter that Senator Ted Cruz wrote to then-Attorney General Bill Barr. Cruz wrote, The video streaming service and content producer Netflix is currently hosting a film entitled Cuties 
that sexualizes young girls, including through dance scenes that simulate sexual activities and a scene exposing a minor's bare breast. I urge the Department of Justice to investigate the production and distribution of this film to determine whether Netflix, its executives, or the individuals involved in filming and production violated any federal laws against production and distribution of child pornography. Senator Cruz goes on to allege, quote, the film routinely fetishizes and sexualizes these pre-adolescent girls as they perform dances simulating sexual conduct and revealing clothing, including at least one scene with partial child nudity. These scenes in and of themselves are harmful, and it is likely that the filming of this movie created even more explicit and abusive scenes and that pedophiles across the world of the future will manipulate and imitate this film in abusive ways. This whole notion of the entertainment industry allegedly exploiting children, perhaps in some cases allegedly abusing them, even trafficking in them, this is a sub-issue of the big picture. So let's first take a look at some broader numbers. I saw a case uh, just about a month ago in San Joaquin County, California, where there was a child trafficking sex predator sting that law enforcement conducted, and they netted 57 arrests of men and women. You'll see all their photos on the episode of Full Measure in this cover story. But anyway, I spoke to the chief inspector of the sex offender investigations for the U.S. Marshals Service, Floriano Whitwell. It turns out this part of law enforcement is his specialty, and quite frankly, the U.S. Marshals Service's specialty as well. I asked him first to define what it means when a child is being trafficked or sex trafficked, and he said, generally speaking, it's simply trading or selling a child to perform sexual acts for monetary gain or services. In trying to quantify some specifics, how would you ever know? I mean, some of these kids, they're brought in from other countries. Some of them are never reported missing because they're being trafficked by whoever has custody of them, sometimes their own family members, and parents. But you can extrapolate something from the missing children reports, I'm told. In 2019, there were 421,000-plus missing children reports. In 2020, this is just the U.S., there were 365,000-plus missing children reports. So that's a total of 786,742 kids reported missing here in the U.S., over a two-year period. Now, most of them are considered endangered runaways. And you may say, well, those are teenage kids, big kids who've run away and they're kind of out of the equation here, but they're not necessarily. Those are some of the very children who are recruited into the trafficking rings. And the ways they do it, it's very subtle sometimes. Some man will befriend a child or someone who's under 18, maybe they're 16 15, 16, 17, sometimes younger than that. But they will be befriended by somebody. Then before they know it, if you look at these stories, the man that these kids think they've fallen in love with or a girl thinks she's fallen in love with gets them high or they're drunk and they start suggesting they do something one night, a sex act on a stranger for money. And pretty soon that one time, one occasion thing that happened when they were high becomes more routine, and before they know it, they're in a ring. And sometimes, according to one expert I spoke with, they are literally shipped around the country against their will 
trafficked from gang to gang or within a ring to different locations and places until they're just so steeped in this they don't even know how to get out. So there are both kinds of trafficking, sometimes the large organized rings, but often, according to the U.S. Marshals, kids are trafficked by people that they know and trust. Now, it seemed to me that in the past couple of years, maybe just because I've been particularly interested in this topic and was going to start researching it, I started hearing about a lot of U.S. Marshals Service recoveries, operations where they were recovering a lot of trafficked children. And I looked them up to see where they were happening. So here's a list of the ones I found pretty quickly. In Georgia, this is in the last couple of years, maybe two years, they had Operation Not Forgotten by the U.S. Marshals where they recovered 26 children. In Virginia, Operation Find Our Children, the U.S. Marshals recovered 27 children. There were five kids rescued in Oklahoma's Operation Triple Beam. They arrested 262 people in that operation. The U.S. Marshals found 15 kids and made 30 arrests in two operations in New Orleans, one called Operation Boo Dat, one called Operation Summer Rescue, I found one in Iowa, Operation Homecoming, where they rescued seven children. A couple in Ohio and Indianapolis, Operation Safety Net and Operation Autumn Hope, where they recovered about 70 kids. Philadelphia, Operation Safeguard, 26 children recovered by the U.S. Marshals. And a big one in Tennessee, through Operation Volunteer Strong, there were 150 children found. Now, we're just talking about the U.S. Marshals Service. The FBI also recovers children. Local law enforcement also recovered children, so the problem is big. According to Floriano Whitwell, the U.S. Marshals Service official, he said last year they recovered 387 missing children, just the U.S. Marshals, and that was the most they'd ever recovered, 100 more than the previous year. And then he went on to tell me that in the first three months of this year, they had recovered 220, so it looks like this year was going to be bigger even than last year, which was a banner year. And still, he says, they're barely scratching the surface. Now, remember I said that there are a lot of allegations about what's going on inside the entertainment industry, a subset of this larger problem. We'll talk more about that right after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. My new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, is filled with important context regarding the death of the news as we once knew it. Pick up your copy of Slanted today. We're back talking about the problem of child sex exploitation and trafficking in the U.S. Apparently, 
a far bigger problem than most people suspect. We talked about the cuties controversy a few minutes ago, the Netflix film. While some consider child exploitation and trafficking to be Hollywood's elephant in the room, it's long been the subject of all kinds of rumors and, as I say in my cover story this week, rambling accusations. One example is actor Isaac Cappy. He was a character actor seen in the superhero film Thor and some other movies you've probably seen him in, but he posted a series of really explosive allegations about all of this online in 2018. And I'm using a couple of segments from that rambling accusation posting in my cover story, but long and short of it is, he's basically saying that parents will sometimes knowingly put their children in an environment where they're going to get abused by some of these Hollywood types, but they accept it because they know or they rationalize it because they know the kids will get roles, perhaps important roles in big films, make a lot of money. So according to Cappy, they just sell their kids. That's what it amounts to, at least in his view, that they're selling their kids for money. And he's not the first person that told me that or the only person that told me that about Hollywood. Now, by the way, nine months after he made this video, there were a lot of other accusations in it. He named a lot of specific names of people in Hollywood. Now, none of those people have been arrested. I'm sure they would all say none of this is true, at least the specific accusations about specific people. But nine months after he made that video, police say Cappy committed suicide. They said, um, this is kind of unusual wording, that he forced himself off of a bridge in Arizona onto an interstate, and he was hit by a car. So what happened to him kind of floats around out there as a conspiracy story. But you don't really have to look very far to find hard evidence of sexual exploitation of children by those in the entertainment industry. And while I was researching this story, somebody mentioned a case to me that I had never heard of. Maybe you haven't either. Maybe you have. But if you haven't, you're going to wonder why when I tell you how big this case is in terms of scope. In Great Britain, there was the case of Jimmy Savile. He was, I guess, a DJ and one of the BBC's biggest stars. He died in 2011, and then these criminal investigations began. And it turns out, pretty much by all investigative accounts, he was one of Britain's most prolific sex offenders. He was reported to have sexually abused hundreds of victims, perhaps as many as a 1,000, mainly young people, over six decades until he died when he was 84. Now, he did a bunch of charitable work and had unsupervised access to patients at hospitals where he did charitable work. And this is where, according to investigators, he did some of his raping and sexually abusing of boys and girls, as well as men and women, some of the children as young as age five or even two years old. Some of the victims were reportedly attacked as they laid on hospital gurneys after their surgeries. A very big case, a very famous guy, but again, it's not, as far as I've seen, been making headlines much here in the United States as the investigations move forward. And shouldn't it be? Because it's the story of somebody who was operating really in plain sight of many people and got away with all of this, allegedly, perhaps in part because of his fame because people didn't want to say too much, maybe because some people wanted to be around him and were accepting of the criminal behavior, didn't 
alert authorities to it, maybe rationalize it themselves. Here in the U.S., I interviewed an independent film producer, someone who started out as an actor in Hollywood as a young man. Now he's a film producer. His name is John Paul Rice, and he's been speaking out about what he says is quite common child abuse in Hollywood. When you see John Paul Rice in my cover story on Sunday, maybe you'll say you've seen that face somewhere before. He's had a couple of bit parts, including a small part in Remember the Titans. But anyway, he told me about getting his start as a young actor in Hollywood, and he said that he was asked to audition for a legitimate film by a director, and that when he told his manager about the audition, the manager's immediate response was that that person, the man who'd asked John Paul Rice to audition, wants to basically have sex with you, is what the manager told John Paul Rice. He says that he was shocked that it was such a given that it seemed expected and routine in that world. And I'll deviate for a moment to say that um, an acquaintance of mine, a young woman, went out to Hollywood to try to get her start in acting. This is years ago, maybe 15 years ago or so. And she would call me with similar stories about being asked to come to a producer's home at night and give him a massage, and he wanted her to take a pill, and all of these things in hopes that she would get a part or a role in a Hollywood film and felt that she was expected to do it by all accounts when she would ask around. She said there's just a culture there. Former child actor Corey Feldman, you may remember him, he spoke out not long ago saying that he had been preyed upon by men in the industry. He's the actor who is in a couple movies you might know if you've been around a while, The Goonies and Lost Boys, And for a while, there was talk about the two Corys because Corey Feldman was best friends with Corey Heim, another actor. But you can read this interview that Feldman did with The Hollywood Reporter on May 25th, 2016. You could search that online, Corey Feldman and The Hollywood Reporter, where he spoke about uh, the alleged abuse that he suffered for many years as a child actor. He's now 44 years old and has his own son who is 11 years old. Now, he's spoken of being preyed upon and knowing the same people, some of the same people who preyed upon his friend Haim. As far as naming names, he says in the Hollywood Reporter interview that while it's very frustrating and that he would like to name names, he said that he can't because of California's statute of limitations and that that would put him into legal problems and in the position of getting sued. He does say one of his abusers is still prominently in the business today. He alleges that Corey Heim was raped at age 11 on a movie set and has been protected pretty much all of these years and uses intimidation and threats as a way to keep people quiet and that this group of men involved were all friends. He says, ask anybody in our group of kids at the time. They were passing us back and forth to each other. By the way, poor Corey Heim died in 2010 after years of drug addiction. So this made me think about Harvey Weinstein because Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to prison for sexual assault and rape of women. There was nothing that I saw involving children, but John Paul Rice, the independent movie producer, told me that he thought when that scandal came out that more actors would step up and talk about what was happening to the children, but they didn't. He told me a story of when Weinstein was getting a lot of coverage 
John Paul Rice says that he even spoke to an actress friend of his, who he says is a name that we would know if he were to use it. And she was very active in the Weinstein matter. But when John Paul Rice suggested we should start talking about what's happening to the children, he said she just couldn't bring herself to do it. Why? Well, he says people are afraid of losing work. He says they've, in essence, had to make a deal with the devil in Hollywood, some people. Um, They're into their livelihood, and their livelihood is tied into people who make a product for an industry that sometimes mistreats or abuses children. You may already know that Weinstein was friends and had been seen with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, he is the child predator, a child predator tied to many who are rich and famous. Uh, Epstein and Weinstein had been photographed together. Epstein was convicted of crimes back in 2008, but even after that, he continued to get invited to big red carpet events in Hollywood and A-list parties. Well, he was arrested again, as you know, in 2019 for sex trafficking children before reportedly committing suicide in prison. John Paul Rice says that once all of that discussion about Epstein and his sidekick Maxwell and their connection with Weinstein, when that was getting a lot of press attention, Rice says he really thought that would bring attention to what was happening to the kids, but that Hollywood remained very silent. Now, here's something I did not know when I set up and began my interview with the official from the U.S. Marshals Service, Floriano Whitwell, but the Epstein case actually links to the U.S. Marshals. It turns out that a couple of years before Epstein was arrested the second time by the FBI in 2019, it was investigators from the Sex Offender Investigations Branch at the U.S. Marshals Service that got a tip. They got information that Epstein, now a convicted sex offender already, was being seen quite often at a tarmac in Florida with young girls, girls who appeared to be minors and clearly underage. So the U.S. Marshals Service began an investigation and eventually worked with the FBI, provided the FBI with what information they had, and ultimately the FBI initiated their own criminal investigation and arrested Epstein. One loop I wanted to close in my report was whatever became of the backlash against the Netflix film Cuties. Various members of Congress, I think even some attorneys general, had asked for investigations. Well, it turns out it doesn't seem like anything came of that. In fact, I saw an article that said the backlash was very temporary because some people did cancel Netflix subscriptions, but within a pretty short period of time, Netflix reported that their subscriptions were back to normal levels. In fact, the director, the French woman who directed Cuties, defended her movie and won an award at the Sundance Film Festival. Again, her position being that she was helping draw attention to the exploitation of young girls, not intending to exploit them through her film. I hope you'll check out the story on Sunday, May 16th. You can go to CherylAckeson.com. And click the full measure tab to find the TV station closest to you or find out how to watch online or on our free app called Stir. There's all kinds of ways you can catch up with full measure anytime. Also coming up Sunday, Scott Thuman is going to update us on the situation between Russia and Ukraine. You may know that tensions at that border are increasing with some people afraid that Russia is putting basically the West and the United States on alert or on notice 
Some people think that Russia may be poising itself to invade Ukraine. Scott Thuman has been there, and he's going to update us on this volatile situation and tell us why it matters to us. And then we have a really interesting story, something I'd never heard anything about, by Lisa Fletcher called Right to Repair. And it's about the problem with getting important medical equipment repaired in a timely fashion. So you know how much medicine today, particularly, say, at hospitals, relies on technology and machines, some of them very complicated. It turns out when they break, there's sort of a problem in getting them back online sometimes because manufacturers sometimes are strict who's allowed to fix the machines. And there's not enough technicians that are authorized to fix these machines that know how to fix them. So there can be a backlog of important life-saving equipment that's sort of sitting there. And there's a movement to try to get these manufacturers to branch out and let other people repair important life-saving equipment so that it's not just stacking up, waiting for someone to come and service it. So interesting story. Hope to see you on Sunday. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson podcast, and subscribe to both the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Wherever you like to listen, leave a good review and share it with your friends. Don't forget to pick up my new bestseller, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.